Welcome to Stock Odds, Odds and End Podcast. I'm here here today with uh, Rob Friesen. I'm Dave Singh. Good evening, Rob. How's everything? Good evening. Great. Appreciate it. Uh, hot summer. Uh, you guys are pretty warm down there? Yeah, it's swim weather down here every day. <laughs> Close it's to 100. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. But uh, interesting uh, globally how uh, some, some places get in floods and floods in Iran and... Uh, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's been it's been really interesting. Uh, United Arab Emirates uh, had uh, flooding too, so quite something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's extreme weather uh, globally, as as are the politics, uh, as are the drumbeats of war. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you've got saber rattling now, uh, China Taiwan thing again. Um, you know, uh, this this is kind of comical in in a sense that you know people are. Uh, Attributing uh, China's provocation against uh, Pelosi, um, I mean, it's it, the, the, it, they've they've always been rattling about Taiwan. This is nothing new. It's just oh, let's use this. <laughs> this is this is a good vehicle to use to 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 shake our fists some more and uh, threaten. So, um, but you know, it, it's an active, uh, an ongoing situation as is the Ukraine war, and uh, um, I don't. I don't know uh, if I lean into the media as much in terms of, you know, accomplishments by the Ukraine um, military there. I think I think the, the battle is it just, you know, how many days are we in this thing now? It's been uh, how many days since they invaded, since Russia invaded? Seems like almost half a year now, right? Yeah, it's like you know, so it keeps on going, and there's and there's no uh, slowing down in sight here. So, um, I, you know, I just uh, I fear at the end of the day, it's it's un- unfortunately going to uh, to be uh, well. How do you put it? You know, you I don't know if the Ukraine can uh, hold them off, you know, and and win ultimately. So. It's it's a tough one. So um, with that, uh, we can expect that um, you know some of those issues that are centered around war and conflicts and stuff um, are going to continue. Um, we have an interesting marketplace with the recession debate continuing, and um, you know it's amazing to hear uh, people think it's going to be. Not at all, and very shallow, and and others very deep and and prolonged, and um, so you get a wide variety of opinions on that on that subject. Uh, but uh, I am noticing a couple, you know, things occurring in the commodity area, as we talked about last week as well. Um, but also the U.S. dollar. If you take a look at that, you'll notice that. Uh, it kind of peaked on uh, July 14th, and it's been sliding down since. It is sitting on a trend line that goes now back to the beginning of the year, so it's it's sitting there. Um, but why the dollar is important to watch is because you know there's there's carry trades that go on. Uh, the the bigger one now um, that's producing better than the um, than the dollar is uh, using the euro to uh, to fund the carry trades. Um, so, um, but the, the, the commodities are priced in dollars, right? In and US they bottomed about the same time. If you look at copper, it bottomed about the same time, mid-July as well. It's been yeah. Up since. 
Yeah, so, uh, you know, the, the case for metals was not there while the dollar was making new highs. So so the, the price was really being paid in the in the metals area especially and other, and other commodities as well. But now with the dollar starting to slide, um, coming off its highs, and why why would that be? Well, you know, the, the dollar rally was fueled by interest rate hikes. Now other countries are starting to also raise uh, their interest rates to be competitive and to deal with inflation as well. So on a relative basis, the dollar is, is weakening a little bit to them. Um, but um, we're also looking at what was kind of communicated is uh, – you know that the rate hikes wouldn't they would be data driven of course but they would be less aggressive than what we've just seen is the in information that i i take away from all that and so the dollar is like okay well um we'll uh you know we'll, we'll take our profits if you've been long the dollar um or we'll you know short it and buy other things that are you know more important right at this point or more opportunity at this point so so the commodities are definitely something to watch and they're starting to turn up um let's look at the futures here for tonight uh, since they opened we've had some movement already um we're in a very interesting spot on the dow jones futures because we're still below the 33,000 level. We're at 32,759. But that 33,000 level is right smack dab in the uh, May 27th to June 8th consolidation phase. And that was before we broke down with, uh, with the real concerns of, you know, um, massive, um, you know, recession and um, all that. So we, that's what really tanked us on June 9th and, and, be, and after that. Um, but we're right back up, just sitting below that consolidation zone. So that just keep a note on that, the 33,000 on the Dow Jones futures. Um, and we had a big rally last week. And one of the things that we look at is where we closed Friday on the weekly and looking for a potential reversal of that week to week. So every week is kind of a reset. It's always fresh when we look for potential reversals. Um, so whether we whether we can build on this in the next day or two, the rally that we just had, we're still we've still got to get through this consolidation zone at that thirty three thousand level, right? And the same would be true with the oh, I should say that the uh, Dow Jones futures are off one hundred and forty three right now, 044 uh, percent. The S and P is off. 0.43 percent or 17.75 points um, so about the same as the uh, performance on the dow jones futures and it's also got the same consolidation zone although it tapped it kind of tapped right into the middle of it corresponding to the lows set march 15th and march 8th and just a little bit above the, the february 24th low um, so so the S&P did, did punch into it, so it was performing just slightly better than the Dow. Again, because of some of the tech stocks and being a tech, being a market cap weighted index, um, it did outperform the Dow Jones or the, the Diamonds, which are a 
uh, price weighted uh, index. So this, there's a difference in their construction and one's more defensive, one's a little bit more aggressive. So the, the S&P 500 would be more aggressive over the Dow 30, right? Um, and so moving on to the NASDAQ 100, that actually, because we've had an appetite for the tech comeback tour here, the tech stocks did outperform the general pack of the S&P 500, including the tech stocks there, um, which some of them overlap, of, of course, and the Dow 30 for sure. Um, and we made it above that consolidation zone um, that we had March 27th to June the 8th. And so the key now is the NASDAQ has, has plunged right into the February 24th low and also the um, almost matching low of March 14th and March 15th. So, so it's, it's punched into that and it's sitting here with the question mark of, well, we made it all the way back to that point. You know, um, do we continue up? And if we do, there's a lot of numbers to go through. There's a lot of what was former support that could become new resistance. So there's a lot of numbers, uh, but there is also this blue sky air pocket above us. But right now we're sitting at a critical uh, junction on the NASDAQ 100, but it did clear the uh, May 27th to June 8th the consolidation. So it's above that. Russell, oh, and I should say that the NASDAQ 100 is off 0.37% right now, or 48.5 points. Uh, the Russell is off the most of the four horsemen there. It's uh, off 0.65%, or 12.2 points. And it uh, did not make it to the top of the consolidation. It had a kind of a different consolidation pattern anyway, um, not as symmetrical as, as the other uh, indexes. But um, it's sitting right now at its February 24th low. So it's like the NASDAQ 100 as well. So. Um, it you know it had it had a pretty good run off the bottom too. It's been performing um, really well, especially on the risk day risk on days. You know it can it can give you some monster rallies the small caps, and you know there will be a hunt for small cap value by investors that are willing to tread into these waters. So keep that in mind. The Nasdaq 100 is still you know an area that people love too. Some of the stocks in there. So. Um, we had for the first six months of this year um, pretty good performance uh, by the value stocks over the growth stocks um, and so uh, in light of that if they rotated into some of those to to stay defensive um, some of those stocks actually did pretty well so far this year so you might see that if the rally was to continue they kind of shunned some of the more uh, value ones and, and tread back into the uh, the riskier assets um, just looking at the VIX, it's at uh, 23.60. Um, it's up right now 0.79%. So again, the market's pulling back a little bit. Um, but, you know, it, it came way off the high from the 34. Well, that wasn't the quite the, the total high, but the most recent 
recent uh, oscillation was up to 34 and it's pulled back uh, uh, pretty pretty good. So um, anyway, let's uh, go over to Dave here. To You got all kinds of stuff to rattle off here. So let's yeah, get started there. Yeah, it's the first day of the month. So in August, uh, it's expected to do something like 0.7% for the entire month, but it's really weighted towards the end of the month. The first day is pretty muted. The first week, first Friday, mid-month seasonality is expected to be down. Um, same with options expiration. But the last five trading days of the month, the last three, that's where all the gain uh, seems to, to be happening. And it, it ties in with what you said before, right? August has low volume. People take their vacations during that month. People yeah, low institutional, low institutional activity um, until sort of the last five days when uh, – they get back to work, right? Yeah, just before Labor Day. So that's that's what the, the almanac says in terms of when we might expect some of the, the performance for the month. But as for the first day of the month, um, there are some sectors which look to be stronger than others, and they're in healthcare. Um, the XLV, even biotech, XBI, IBB, and technology, QQQ, XLK, the SMH chips, and utilities. So those would be some of the ones that are that show up to be stronger according to the almanac for the first day. And shorter things like energy, XOP, XLE, um, basic materials, XLB, industrials, and some financials. So, so it's a little mixed there, but um, that's what the, the numbers say for the first day. Yeah, hold on. Let me pause for one sec there. Um, so, you know, you notice the theme here. We've got... Um, on that first day, some of some of those uh, like XOP, XLE, uh, on the underperformance side. And if you want to, if you want to kind of play in that, I mean, there's two choices. You can just use the ETF, right? You you could um, also go in into the web screener and look for uh, symbols within those groups either the drillers or just the basic energy stocks and look for the ones that have the best odds of underperformance so that you're kind of aligning the symbols with the backdrop of the of the ETF so that means you're you're kind of being thematic if you want if you want exposure directionally if you don't want exposure directionally then you know go in the, in that group and pick up some longs and short ideas that you can be hedged and then you can use the market gap. So for example, you know, if we gap down, uh, you know, you might say, I'm going to be very conservative on my shorts. I might pick up some longs, but if I need to hedge, I can hedge immediately. Um, if we gap up in that, in that sector, if you see oil for some reason strong tomorrow morning, um, you can sell first, do some shorts, and if you need to hedge, then then hedge. So there, you can be very strategic about, you know, going in and mining for the best stocks within a group. Okay. Good, good. And in terms of energy, we just talked about that. Um, there's an OPEC meeting this week as well, so oil oil prices are a little weak ahead of that. So that ties in, kind of in lines with uh, what we're seeing in the almanac. Uh, so a little bit weakness in energy. Uh, there are some economic uh, calendar things this week. Um, there's centered around things like manufacturing on Monday, the manufacturing PMI, 
and then uh, ISM services on Wednesday and jobless claims on Thursday and unemployment rate and payrolls on Friday. So the themes are manufacturing services and unemployment in terms of the strength of the economy. And that can uh, give some data as to whether we are headed more towards a recession or things are really not that bad. So we're going to have that backdrop in terms of economic reports. And uh, yeah, I mean, Bitcoin's firming up as well, right? So it's a, that risk on undertone that aligns yeah, with there, the there's there certainly has been, you know, last couple of weeks, um, the risk on undertone, that's for sure, right? But that brings us, and that is produced, and it brings us up to a critical inflection point. Whether we can build on this or whether we're going to revert back. That's that's how important, you know, where we've arrived here. And strangely enough, at the at the end of the month and the start of a new month, which which is kind of a quiet, quiet month anyway. Uh, in the past, um, most of the the volume within August was, you know, programmatic, like uh, program trading and algorithmic, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, you know, we, we imagine you're going to continue to see that, which means it it trades a lot around VWAP, it trades a lot technically, um, and and just a lot less you know, human participation from people really wanting to load up. So I think they wanted, I think they wanted to catch uh, some of the rally and not miss out. And, and we saw that happen. Um, but going forward right here, if we don't build on this, they're going to probably hold back on the spending, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, if we start to slip back, they're not going to want to rush in right away because we want to see if we can retest the lows or, um, you know, I don't know. It's it, it's just one of those things that we're at we're at a critical point to either build on or slide back. That's that's the point I want to make. So, and the, and the last noteworthy thing here is the U.S. ten-year Treasury. We're at two point six seven on that. That's down sharply from a month and a half ago. Like so, mid June we peaked at almost three and a half. So we're almost a one percentage point lower within the last six weeks or or so. So. So what the what the market's signaling from that is, um, because of the economic woes. Um, so there's there's the theme that the economy is strong, and then there's the question whether it's really that strong. Because, for example, you know Walmart came out and said, "Hey, we're having to cut prices because we've got inventory surplus." And so if these companies have gone from, you know, first of all, um, supply, uh, supply line problems and, you know, not enough goods. And all of a sudden everything got ramped up and things started to open up and now they've got too much goods. But the consumer has cut their spending tremendously. Then, um, you know, we start to have a little bit of a deflationary problem um, or or like how are you gonna how are you gonna stimulate things again well you gotta cut interest rates again right so so this is what the market's kind of signaling is like uh well we're not too optimistic on the fed being able to keep that pace that aggressive pace going we're gonna bet that uh, it's going to be shorter lived than what has been you know kind of communicated i think that's what the market's signaling through that pull back on the treasuries.
And the other thing I've heard about lately is um, the debt service the U.S. government has has gone way up, right? Because as interest rates go up, it's a lot more expensive for them to service their debt. So at some point, it's not in the interest of the government to have really high interest rates, right? So there's going to be pressure to push rates lower. Definitely, definitely. But um, yeah, there's it's, it's really interesting to go through and 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 really orientate yourself with all of the commodities and and futures and currencies and you know like for example look at the Japanese yen rally uh, off the bottom there um, it's been in just a, a massive downslide since March and all of a sudden it's just uh, shot up off the bottom so. Um, these are these are major changes um, that are happening, and when when the regimes change, then um, different sectors respond, different industries within the sector, and of course stocks. So right now we've had a bit more risk on appetite, and we wonder if that will continue. Um, and if it does, we're fine with that because at the end of the day, we really are not directional traders. Um, there are opportunities to take some direction if you can get a good macro re read, and especially if you have seasonality data and individual odds data. Um, but there's more chance to be, you know, wrong when you choose a direction in a group. If you choose symbols across the board that are very diversified, representing a good diversified long basket against a good diversified short basket, um, you run less risk of that directional exposure. And then you're making money. I have to keep reinforcing this all the time with um, you know, communicating to retail traders and so on, is it's about the relative performance between your long dollars and your short dollars. However you choose to hedge, however you choose to get those short dollars, whatever vehicles you use, but it's about that relative performance. So generally speaking, just a, a note here, is on big strong up days, um, most of the time your, you know, your stocks, if you chose stocks that were more discretionary, uh, risk on type technology stocks, things like that, they would outperform the ETFs. On down days, they would underperform, meaning that you would, you know, you would lose money. So you'd have exposure to the risk side, right? So if it's a risk on day, you would probably make more money than the ETFs. If it's a risk off day, you'd probably lose more money than your hedge of the ETFs. So that's where the balancing act comes in by knowing kind of what to expect in what types of markets. And so if we have, we roll back down and we're, we're moving towards really oversold or uh, just, just weak sentiment and the selling is there, then having hedge, like beta hedges in place, um, increasing your weight, um, being more defensive on your stock selections. Um, these are the kind of things that make a difference. When it's a risk on appetite, then you want to press the discretionary, you want to press the, the tech, you want to you press the risk on areas and um, you know move to more long, long dollar capital, uh, 
you know, short dollar balance. You don't necessarily need the, the beta adjustment. Beta, beta adjustment works well in the, on the down markets, right? Doesn't work as well on the up markets. So I hope that helps. Um, it was interesting when I was running some screens for this week um, at what kind of symbols, you know, is a lot of times when you when you see your odds and your average performance come up, it's kind of like a mixed bag of sectors in your top 20 selections. Um, but I was surprised at how concentrated it was into like, for example, XLB, like the top six stocks in one of my screens was were all chemical stocks, which are part of the XLB. Mm -hmm. um, so you might find some interesting reinforcement when you look at the seasonality calendar and see what's expected to occur on the first trading day of the month and maybe, you know, this first week of the month. Uh, we also have the the first Friday will be coming up at the end of the week, right? So um, when you take a look at those themes and then you go and run your other screens like RSI and percent B and, you know, CCI and move open to close. And then you start to see a clumping of sectors that match your seasonality. That's a nice lining up the ducks. Mm -hmm. Right. So use it. It's there for you. Uh, anything else, Dave? That's it for me. Okay. Um, we're, you know, getting past the, the, the bulk of the most of the S&P companies reporting. There's still uh, some earnings uh, to come. Obviously, keep your eye on the calendar. Um, but, you know, we went through some of the, the bigger names here in the last two weeks. So anyway, uh, good trading this week um, and just watch for light volume tomorrow. Um, some of the Canadian institutions are uh, offline because of holiday. And um, so volume should be fairly light tomorrow on the exchanges in general. Um, and this month is just a lighter volume month overall. So, so be careful. Um, watch your watch your liquidity. Watch the way you trade, especially with, if you're doing market orders at the open. You know you don't want to you don't want to be paying up 10% on a gap up on a thin thinly traded stock because there there might be nobody to sell it to if you need to get out of it, right? <laughs> so watch your liquidity. Okay. All right. All right. Good luck. Have yourself a good one. Good trading this week, Dave. Good luck.